HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Somewhere and somewhere is not Bushwick once again. We are not in Bushwick. We are at Industry City, Brooklyn. I'm Kat Johnson. Um, I'm here with my lovely co-host Katie Mosman-Wadler and Hannah Forden. Hey, Kat. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. It is very beautiful in here. Yes. I have to say. Camp thanks David to, is a peaceful place. Yes, thanks to Camp David for having us. I, I feel very peaceful. Yeah. So a really good vibe. It'd be like a meditative show. <laughs> That's good. That's how we like to like kind of wind down our Thursdays. The whole reason yes. we started this show was that um, we tended to just like kind of power through the week with the Thursdays and Fridays getting longer and longer and longer every week. So we actually started doing happy hour at five o'clock on Thursdays so that we would be forced to physically leave the office and go into the studio and just take a little moment of reflection and also drink some beers um, and just have a little unwind. So here we are. We've yeah. come a long way. It's really therapeutic to be able to torture our amazing guests with trivia every week. I find that to be a huge release. <laughs> it's a big stress reliever for us, yeah. In that spirit, I think this ties in nicely to sort of like the work behind our guests because they both have sort of created spaces in Brooklyn that are places you can go all day and relax and enjoy yourself. Maybe you have coffee. Maybe you have a cocktail. Maybe you have a bite to eat. Um, I think this is part of a really exciting sort of trend in dining right now in Brooklyn, and we're going to get into that a little bit, as well as a lot more about their backgrounds. So without further ado, our guests today are Nate Adler of Gertie. Welcome, Nate. Hey. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And Claire Sprouse from Hunky Dory. Hello. Hi. Um, You've both been on HRN before, I think a few times each. You've made the rounds a bit on some of our Best, best and finest podcasts. But you and never yet been here on... you are on HRN Happy Hour. <laughs> here you are. Um, so thanks for joining us on this show for the first time and in a really awesome location. Do you think the real Camp David is as peaceful as this one? No. These days? <laughs> in this economy? <laughs> I don't know. Never um, been. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a good vibe here yeah. that I, I think might be lacking. Good vibes all around. Um, So we quickly want to sort of talk about the other shows that we're doing here at Industry City. The show that we did last week, just right across the concourse at Sahadi's with Pat and Christine Whelan, is available live now on any podcast app, so go take a listen to that. And then other shows we have coming up, um, next week we have A Taste of the Past 
Um, Linda Palaccio is going to be welcoming Ed Levine, the founder of Serious Eats, and we were full, and Industry City is generously letting us open up a few more spots. So if you're interested, get those tickets now. And then we're going to be having The Grape Nation, Tech Bites, Eating Matters, Feast Your Ears, and potentially one more to be announced soon. So make sure that you're coming by Industry City every Thursday and then Tuesday, November 19th for more HRN Live. Yeah, and probably the easiest place to see all those locations because we're going to be moving around different spots in Industry City is to go to our Facebook page for Heritage Radio Network and go to the events listings there. Yes. Um, all right, so without further ado, um, I, since this is your first, both your first times on HRN Happy Hour, I want to just kind of give you a moment to like introduce yourselves a little bit further, uh, talk a bit about your background, and then the current, you've both opened a restaurant this year, so tell us a bit about that. Whoever would like to start. Um, thanks. <laughs> I guess I'm going first. Um, my name's Claire. Um, I own Hunky Dory, which is a bar and restaurant in Crown Heights. Um, before that, I worked at a little spot in Williamsburg, but I spent about five years in San Francisco, and then um, I'm from Texas, so I came up in like the bar restaurant scene out in Houston. Uh, so New York is um, now my home. It's where my forever city, I suppose, and um, where I put down roots in the form of this little all-day space. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I have another company called Tin Roof, and we um, have put all of our energy into focusing on sustainability in bars and restaurants and um, defining that uh, and educating um, not just cocktail bars, but um, anybody that's working in hospitality. Awesome. Nate, what about you? Cool. Uh, so I'm Nate Adler. I own a restaurant an all-day restaurant in Williamsburg called Gertie. Uh, it opened in February. Um, Claire and I share like every single <laughs> list you could possibly imagine this year, which is not really a humble brag, just to say that like we're doing similar things and um, people are taking note of that, which is really awesome. We actually did an event together um, at Gertie over the summer. We threw a huge party. Um, all my stuff is still there. All her stuff is still there. <laughs> I texted her about it this week. It's in the basement. Um, we did like a tiki event. It was very fun. And prior to that, um, I opened a restaurant when I was 24 called Huertas in the East Village. Um, it's still around today. It's almost six years old, which is crazy to say out loud. Um, and I'm a native New Yorker, so I have rarely or barely left went to college down in Philadelphia but I've been back ever since I'm I'm kind of interested to dive in a little bit more about the all-day space and for maybe folks from um, markets that that's not as much of a thing as it is in New York can you just kind of give a little bit of background on what it means to be an all-day space why how that's different from a more traditional restaurant seems and like a lot of work yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, it's really hard, and I, I say that to preface everything because it's it's like it's very difficult, especially in New York City, to be all things to all people. 
and people have this mentality when they're going out to eat or they're having a drink that this place is for that. And so when you open an all-day spot, it's really hard to get people to understand that you actually can be all things to all people, and that's what we're attempting to do. And I think both of us would appreciate if the general public was like thinking about going to Gertie and Honky Dory all the time instead of, oh, well, you know, Gertie has the best, it's like a bright all day cafe. First of all, we're not a cafe. We serve food from 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. every day, um, not just coffee and pastries. Um, and so it's this constant challenge. What does it mean to be an all-day restaurant? It means like you're continually having to decide like what do you focus on to put out to the world because there's only so much you can do. Um, and I think for me, that's been the main takeaway of of what it means to be an all-day restaurant, that it's really difficult to be all things to all people. Claire, I imagine oh, that uh, when somebody walks into Gertie and says, you know, there must be some kind of interaction with your customer where you're sort of gauging what they're there to experience, and then you have to kind of nimbly respond and deliver that to them in that moment. Like, what does that process look like where you go from somebody walking in the door to delivering them the experience that they came in looking for? Yeah, I think it takes a lot of explaining. Um, and I, I think that makes it even more difficult because depending on what they were looking for, you're tailoring the experience, uh, their experience to that. And uh, I think a perfect example to answer that question through like an anecdote is that we started originally as a counter service restaurant all day and all night. And we wanted to do that because it would make it easier for the guests to walk in and maybe you'd, you'd think, oh, they're, they're all coming for the same experience, which is walking up to a counter, placing an order, sitting down and having their food brought to them. But what we quickly realized was that in order to satisfy the person that wants to come have a bottle of wine on a date um, at night and have dinner is a lot different from the the group of six people that come in at brunch who went out the night before and want to have a hangover cure and have a couple Bloody Marys and breakfast sandwiches and walk out. Um, and so we had to pivot from counter service at night to full service at night um, to, to be able to give people the experience that they wanted. Mm -hmm. And Claire, I know Hunky Dory has been getting a lot of um, notice for its brunch specifically. Um, and I'm curious if that, obviously it's like great to get good press, but um, have you had to push against people only associating you as a, as a brunch spot or have you been getting consistent traffic? Um, yes and no. I'm, I'm, I feel lucky because my background has been mostly in cocktails and that's how most people know me. And they know that I um, have a very strong point of view and I'm really connected into that um, scene, both locally and nationally. And so um, as much as people maybe in the neighborhood um, think of us as a brunch place, there's lots of people that also know about um, our alcohol program. And um, to Nate's point, it is a lot of um, just trying to break people's mentality on both sides. Like, you know, the cocktail people that come in, um, I try to tell them like, hey, we serve coffee in the morning <laughs> and the people that come in for brunch I, or for breakfast during the weekdays, I'm like, wanna start off with a cocktail? 
and they laugh, and I'm like, but no, really, do you want to start <laughs> yeah. off with a cocktail? Um, so it's a lot of, we're open, we have a little bit longer hours, so we're open till 2 a.m., so that's 18 hours a day that we're open, and it's, it's kind of funny just to be in that mindset where, like, how do you maximize business 18 hours a day? So, like, on my agenda, my to-do list this morning, it's like, how do I build coffee business? And then how do I build our 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. late night happy hour? And how do I let people know we serve food till 1 a.m.? Also, we do delivery. Did you know we take reservations? Lots of call I have a question for you, and it is, how are you alive? Uh, I have a very good staff. I have a really, really excellent staff. I also live about 30 seconds away from Hunky Dory, so that helps, too. Yeah. Um, if some if a cook shows up late in the morning, I can just roll out of bed and go open the open the doors. Uh, if the sink starts leaking, I'm there in a heartbeat with a wrench, uh, so it makes it a little bit easier. And I drink a lot of coffee, my <laughs> own coffee. It's free, right? <laughs> Ish. So, like on on that note of being open for long hours having, you know, different menus at different points in the day, how does that make sustainability within the restaurant easier, harder? What's, what, what are the opportunities and challenges around sustainability when you're an all-day spot? Do you mean for humans or for, through the food? <laughs> Both. I mean, I was yeah. thinking food, but obviously labor is a totally, you know, separate and big consideration. Um, for I'm, The nice thing about being all day is that we get to interact with a lot of our community on a lot of different levels. So, you know, there'll be somebody from the community garden that comes in in the morning that I get to talk to about maybe taking some of their nasturtium in exchange for them taking our compost. There's a lot of different dialogues that get to happen. Um, the food, there's a lot of inventory. And so it re really requires smart people behind the menus and collaborating between all the different departments. So beverage, cocktails, coffee, food, having to just continuously be talking about where our waste streams are and how we can cross-utilize those things. Um, for people, I think I'm maybe myself in the kitchen are more at, <laughs> are more um, at, uh, it's more challenging, but we're always trying to figure out like how to, we're always checking in on each other, which is really important. Um, just, you know, everything from saying like meaningful hellos to each other and how are you, um, I think is really important. Uh, we try to engage in organizations. Um, next week we're doing a mental health um, first aid training for industry. Um, if you're in the industry in New York and you're interested in coming, it's basically like CPR first aid, but for um, mental health crisis um, in your space. And so just kind of keeping that communication open and making sure everybody feels safe, making, every, making sure everybody knows like the, the goal is to be sustainable and that we're tackling plastic and water waste and food waste and things like that and just making sure everybody is knows the that's the plan and um it's a we get labeled in the press a lot like zero waste restaurant blah 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 and i like cringe every time i read that because that's not a real thing zero waste isn't like that's 
it's not achievable in that way. And I also think it makes it seem unattainable for other places to aspire to be more sustainable. And so I like to say it's more of a journey and everybody has to pick and choose their battles, um, whether it's financial or um, the bodies or the space or even you know time. Time is, time is money, time is valuable. And if you don't have the time to invest in it, um, you can't make the same choices as the next person. So it's different for everybody, but I think it's just little notches that help. Can you talk about the nitty gritty of zero waste? Um, so like you mentioned compost, right? So if you're taking all of your scraps and putting them into compost, that's great because they're not going to the landfill, but sort of where, at what point does a restaurant get labeled, like you said, as zero waste? And then what are sort of the practical inevitable points of waste in a restaurant that are still the ones that you're kind of trying to address? Um, I think the restaurants in New York and in other cities that are labeled zero waste are because they label themselves that. <laughs> you don't get that, um, you're not identified with that unless that's your, like, your PR goal, I suppose. So I wanted you know, through my other company, I did so much education and things like that about sustainability and consulted on other projects and helped other people open sustainable spaces um, that I was a little scared but wanted to step up to the challenge of knowing that, you know, everybody that was walking in the doors that knew that um, or read an Eater article would be judging me on it and also everybody that didn't walk through the doors would still be judging me. Um, and so I, I kind of welcome that because it keeps me on the, my toes and it makes me, um, you know, it makes me do my due diligence when I can. But, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of just understanding this really non-transparent system that we have um, in any city. But, you know, New York doesn't have uh, composting available to most small businesses, all small businesses. And... So we had to really stretch ourselves to find a partner that um, that could help us realize those those things. But then also, you know, they take our compost to the chicken coop, which means we can only compost certain things that chickens um, that are friendly for chickens, and some things still go in the garbage. And it's it's a give and take. It's also more expensive in ways, and then in some ways it saves you money. And it's just a constant weighing of what we can achieve um, realistically and trying to be transparent. Like anybody that walks in is like, you know, if they're like, why do you use paper towels? And I'm like, well, I can't afford linen towels. So <laughs> now you know, um, but one day maybe. And um, we just try to be really like upfront and honest about it. Mm -hmm. That's the best I can do. Mm -hmm. um, Nate. So we're all really big fans of Huertas over at HRN. And I'm curious, kind of, um, I mean, you said you opened that restaurant when you were 24. And you're still very young, but you were very young when you opened Huertas. <laughs> so I'm so curious about kind of the things that you learned um, that you carried forward to, like, how you wanted Gertie to manifest um, from opening. Maybe a more... I mean, not that where it does, it's like a traditional concept, but it's not an all-day restaurant. You know, it's small plates. So, yeah, tell us uh, the story. It's a good question. So, the biggest difference is that Huertas was a was a collaboration, um, 
where I actually wasn't the main guy. Um, Jonah Miller, my partner there, uh, had the concept in mind. He had this passion behind Spanish food. I knew nothing about Spanish food, honestly. Like, if you had asked me up until the day that he asked me to come on as a partner, whether I would work in a Spanish restaurant, I would have told you, like, there's no way. Um, so it was sort of like it happened really fast. It was opportunistic. Um, I had been an entrepreneur already, actually, when I was in college, food entrepreneur. I had opened a takeout and delivery-only business um, when I was a senior in college. And so I knew I wanted to get back into that after working for Danny Meyer. And it just sort of happened, and I said yes, and I became a partner, and then I like flew to Spain two weeks later, and I started studying the food and the wine, and came back and was like, all right, like, let's do it. Um, and then it happened. Uh, but I can't take credit for signing the lease, uh, doing all of the work that it takes to do, you know, the construction behind the project. And I think that, frankly, because I didn't do that, there was this, like, level of naivete of, like, oh, this is going to be easy, you know? <laughs> um, and it was just, like, nothing but difficult. Um, I took something... So I guess, to answer your question, like, what did I learn? What I learned was that I wanted a clean slate. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted there to be no pretense. Everything was coming organically from my research and development from my thoughts about what I, what I wanted my restaurant to be. Um, and that I could name it after my grandmother and that I could make it a personal project, um, that I could take a raw space and build it from the ground up. Like when I walked into what is currently Gertie, there was dirt on the ground. Like it was, yeah, I mean it was in the basement, there was dirt on the ground. Like there was water. I mean it was, it, it was nothing. Um, and so to take something as a clean slate, build it up, literally decide where the bar is going to go, decide how the flow is going to be and all of that, that was so important to me. Um, in hindsight, it will, would I have done it again? The answer is yes, but would I ever want to live that process again? The answer is no. <laughs> you know, um, but I think the biggest lesson I learned was just like, to create something with my passion and my energy and my vision um, from the ground up, like the brand itself. Um, and I was able to achieve that and to, to varying degrees of success at different times of day, on different days of the week, but it exists. And, and that I think in and of itself is a pretty big accomplishment. Personally, where do your emotions fall at like walking into this space with a dirt floor? Are you like somewhere in the middle or on one end of like invigoration, exhilaration versus like decision paralysis with all of the ways that it could go? Um, I, I had a pretty, I mean, I would say that my biggest problem in life is the minutia. Like, what is this finish supposed to look like? Or you know, where should we put this handlebar? Where should we put this piece of equipment instead of, like, the grand, like, the counter should look this way and the bar should be here and the bathroom should be there. 
I also was lucky enough to have some really incredible design partners who really drove that, you know, said, this is where I think it should go. And then I said, well, operationally, that doesn't make sense. Can we change it? And it was mm -hmm. all a process. Um, but now that I look at it in the past, like, it's fun. It's, it's interesting to see how things actually happen and what decisions you make that you can't change. And now you just have to deal with it, right? Uh -huh. I can't change the fact that there's an incredibly long counter going through my restaurant and I no longer do counter service at dinner. I just can't change that. <laughs> um, so it's like, how do you reconcile that? And it's a matter of like decorating things so that they don't feel like a counter at night. And um, you just sort of learn what is a non-negotiable to change, like that you can change and what cannot be, you know, literally cannot be moved. Um, but yeah, I'd say on 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 the on the grand in the grand scheme of things, like I had an idea of how I wanted things to go, um, but when it came to the little things, it was a lot more daunting mm -hmm. to just like get the plumber there to like attach the two pieces of the pipe, you know, and finish the job rather than like having an idea of how many staff members I needed and like what they were going to say to a guest and like that's the stuff that I knew how to do what I yeah. didn't know how to do was a lot more daunting to me yeah what about you Claire um well we were really well we sought out a space that was going to be a turnkey um because I my business partner had sold his house and that's how we opened Hunky Dory um and so we had a very small-ish budget and also I just I I consulted on so many openings in California specifically, but I hadn't done that in New York, and so I had no idea how that red tape worked. I didn't want to know. I still don't want to know, to be honest. <laughs> I could go the rest of my life being perfectly happy not going to the buildings department. Um, but, yeah, we inherited a space, um, and it was it's blessing and also definitely a burden you know it's like oh this is where the the sink is forever <laughs> I didn't pick that but all right uh, and, um, um, so we had to make do with what we had um, we did a lot of like um, a lot of cosmetic changes I painted a lot of walls I you know at first I was like this is gonna be so fun I'm gonna like DIY I'm gonna learn how to tile and then like you know, two days later, I'm like, why didn't I hire somebody to tile? Like, <laughs> this is a terrible decision. Um, and I still, like, fall into that um, trap sometimes. Um, the other, like, three, last week, I replaced the faucet on the sink, which I'd never done before. And I watched a couple YouTube videos. And I was like, I can do this. And now it's, the, the faucet works, but it's been linking into the little cupboard below the faucet, below the sink for a few days now um and our refrigeration repair guy came in today and i was like do you know anything about sinks and he's like no i'm not a plumber <laughs> um but yeah it's it's been quite a learning experience i thought i i did have a i know i have a lot of skill sets to opening spaces and um a lot of people ask if like it made it easier doing it and i was like no but it, it it did, like, 
you get to solve problems a lot faster so you can move on to the next one. Um, and I think that is like pretty much the story of getting the space open was just resolving issues and so I can move on to the next thing. And I still, am, I still have a huge to-do list, um, but we're working on it. I think we have time for one or two more questions before we get to trivia. One question I have for you both, since you know your restaurants have been open for a little while now, and I hope that you're both getting at least a little bit of time to relax and enjoy yourselves and maybe go out for a meal somewhere, get out of your own restaurant. Where, where are you going to eat if you can have a night off? Where, where are you going to get a drink? What are you excited about in Brooklyn or in, in New York as a whole right now? Um, I always try to go check out other all-day places and support my, my people that are <laughs> grinding it out like me. So, of course, Gertie. Um, I am, I, we both actually live in Crown Heights, and I think that there is such a really cool food and bar scene there and in the neighboring areas of Bed-Stuy and Prospect Heights. Um, so I'm really lucky. Um... I don't know. I feel like I crave home cooked food so much now because I'm just so used to eating at my at the at the restaurant and or just eating like while I'm walking somewhere mm -hmm. and just trying to feed myself to get to the next thing. So I honestly try to eat at home more often than not. Um, but yeah, I I usually read Eater and they tell me where to go. <laughs> You're not alone there. I'm a lazy eater, so they usually know what's up. Do you have any fall home cooking projects that you're excited about? Um, when I say I cook, you mean um, my boyfriend cooks. <laughs> I don't cook. I like sometimes make a sandwich, or I, um, I eat a lot of flour tortillas, like uncooked flour tortillas. Do you put anything on them? Like, uh, like maybe a piece of unmelted cheese <laughs> and I'm yeah glamorous life I, I yes. stand by the tortilla with so minimal cheddar cheese on it yeah I was a you know I was a latchkey kid growing up so in Texas so I, I I stick with what I know um such a hard question uh but places that I've been recently that I really like uh, Winsung yes. is like they so deserve. Good. Have all you been to the bakery? No. Oh my god, not highly yet. recommend. Salty donuts. <sighs> they deserve Sad. all the praise they get. I really like um, the people that I've met there who run the show. They're super passionate. They're, I think it's a pretty <laughs> unbelievable accomplishment. Those restaurants, um, Hunky Dory, uh, give a shout to that it's like in my hood although recently like I spend no time in my neighborhood um Curtis in Williamsburg so I get on my bike I bike up Bedford I go there like I've had this habit now of not even bringing my bike lock anymore because I'm like I'm not gonna go anywhere after like I'm just gonna go home like where am I gonna lock my bike up um <laughs> my fiance was the beverage director at Marlowe and Sons for the last almost two years so I would go there quite often and their new chef Patch I think is doing a pretty phenomenal job of like doing this weird Japanese home style cooking over there um, 
and where else? I feel like there's got to be. I I'm like a sucker for Frenchette. Mm-hmm. I think they also have done a phenomenal job, and I have spent my birthday and Rachel's birthday there the last couple of years. So I'd say that's a generally a favorite. Um, but I agree with Claire. Like we try to cook at home as much as possible. Like one, if we have two nights off, one night is at home, one night is out because yeah, we just don't get that. Mm-hmm. Totally. I wanted to ask you about names. So Nate, you mentioned that Gertie is named after your grandmother. Um, Claire, are you a David Bowie fan? Where does hunky dory come from? Um, it's a, a, a couple things. Um, Hunky Dory is my second favorite David Bowie album. Um, but I also just liked the way it sounded. Um, so many bars um, here and that I've worked at, you know, the name is very much evocative of like that place. So employees only, PDT, um, existing conditions, like those are all like speakeasy style mm-hmm. dark spaces. And I just wanted something that when you said it, it made you smile and that you, you know, we say it's fine all the time and it's just like a nice place to be. No, yeah, they're both like very like warm names. <laughs> like it makes me like want to go and like cuddle up with a cup of coffee and hang out. Good. Come anytime. <laughs> it's not that far from Bushwick. Uh, before we jump into trivia, um, where can, we've mentioned the neighborhoods you're in, but specifically where can folks find you, both in person and online? Um, you can find me 80 hours a week on the corner of <laughs> Marcy and Grand uh, in Williamsburg, um, right on the corner of the BQE, and our website is gertie.nyc. Um, same with our Instagram, Gertie NYC. Um, and I think the one, one thing I'll say about Gertie that I think everyone should like come check out about it is just that we've got, um, some really fun programming going on in the next few months. Um, we were doing this luncheonette pop-up series where we invited six of these like modern all day, like luncheonettes to come hang at Gertie and um, cook for one night, calling it Luncheonette Roulette. And we had our first one on Monday, which was Little Deb's Oasis in Hudson. And then we're doing uh, Palace Diner, Larry's from Montreal, uh, Dove's from Chicago, Turkey and the Wolf is coming from New Orleans, and Freeman's from LA. So some really, really fun people. Um, and so, trying to like pump up the volume a little bit to get some some new folks into the into the restaurant i hope mason's bringing his roller skates from new orleans we have a like a pretty large wooden <laughs> floor which could work out so i hear you have a long counter yeah i was about to say <laughs> yeah we once had a dance class like yeah the, our next door neighbor is a is a dance studio and they weren't open like we opened and they were still trying to get their permitting and dealing with the DOB and whatnot. And Jules, the owner was like, could we do a class like at Gertie? Like sometimes I was like, for sure. Like why, why not? not? <laughs> and she like taught it from the countertop. And nice. it was like dancing on the counter. So oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. that was fun. Claire, where can folks find you? Um, Hunky Dory's in Crown Heights on Franklin Ave. Pretty much the main drag. Um, 
outside of Lake Nostrand. Uh, we're very close to the park and the farmer's market on Saturdays, which is nice. Uh, we're hunky-dory-bk on Instagram. I don't remember if we have a Facebook or Twitter. I don't know. Um, so I haven't maybe been able do. to find it in, okay. in trying to tag you. So okay, look cool. on Instagram. Um, I haven't gone on Facebook in a really <laughs> long time. Um, we're just getting ready for the holidays. We're open all day long. We're doing a special Halloween menu starting this weekend. Um, I spent all week painting and making it super spooky for, for hunky gory. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, you guys should all come and check it out. Excellent. Oh, amazing. We have a, a spooky episode of Meet and Three coming up. Just wait. I want to put out a little teaser for that. We're going to be very scared. excited about all the spooky food things going on. Lots of spooky food and spooky cocktails. Of Ooh. course. And references to early 90s spooky things that none of my staff in their 20s understand. But <laughs> I get it. That's, That's the important part. We're here for you. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to play some trivia really quick. Hannah, do you want to give our crowd the rundown of how, what the help that we need? Yes. So usually in our studio we have... Um, brilliant engineers and very high-tech sound effects, but here at Industry City, we're calling on our audience to help with sound effects. So we're gonna ask our amazing guests some usually very challenging trivia questions. And um, when they get the answer right, I'll give you a thumbs up and you go ding, 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 ding. Okay, practice, ready? Awesome. And I don't think they're gonna get anything wrong, but if they do, <laughs> I'll give you a thumbs down and you go eh. Ready? Just to be clear, I haven't read the news and since you won't February be not when we open. won't be relevant so. to our trivia yeah. game. Don't worry. This is not New York Times trivia. I've also been hiding under a rock. <laughs> okay, ready? Okay. Okay, question number... Oh, wait. Really quick before we start trivia, I also just want to quickly give a thank you to Industry City um, for letting us do our show here. Um, we will have a word from Industry City. Industry City is New York's hub for the innovation economy. Uh, a, diverse, a diverse mix of over 500 businesses call IC home, collaborating across the 16-building campus, merging today's creative sectors like tech, content creation and design with craft making and traditional manufacturing. The industry city food scene is a rich yet approachable international experience for every palate. With five acres of outdoor space, more than 50 experimental food vendors and retailers, plus unrivaled tenant amenities, industry city is a bustling hub where 8,000 people come to work daily and thousands stop by for a visit. Thanks to industry city for having us. All right, question number one. This is in honor of both all-day cafes where you, as you mentioned earlier, Claire, you can have a cocktail before you have your breakfast, which we love. So question number one, um, Ferd Ferdinand Petwat, I think I'm saying that right, uh, I'm probably not, uh, he claimed to have invented the Bloody Mary in 1921 at the New York bar in what European city? Uh, Paris? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> All right, question number two. According to its Wikipedia page, what do you call the variation on a mimosa that's made with pineapple juice? Oh. That's that the Wikipedia great. page for the mimosa or I for this no drink? no idea. It is a variation on a mimosa, but instead of orange juice, it's pineapple juice. Ooh. But if you had to name it, also you get points for <laughs> whoever gets the yeah. best name for what you would call that drink. Mm. Does anyone in the audience have an idea? Should we phone a friend? 
A pomosa. Pomosa. I, I like that. that. A that is not mimosa. A what sunrise? Something sunrise. It's not a something sunrise. That's on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> so according to Wikipedia, take that with whatever grain of salt you will. It's called a soleil. Oh. Oh. I don't know. We're gonna so, so for Wikipedia. <laughs> Claire, if somebody on came the into Hunky Dory and ordered a soleil, what would you make then? <laughs> um, a mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three: What cocktail that evokes a beautiful morning inspired an eagle song? Oh, oh. was it an eagle song? Tequila sunrise. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for bringing Correct. my terrible humming. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Spattering. The crowd at Sahadi's was much louder with this. I have to say, you guys need to step you're, it up. You're like calling me out because I don't read. I'm the cocktail person, and I don't read cocktail books. I, I'm just like that's boring. You mean you don't read like Wikipedia cocktail pages? You're How not just like scroll and make a cocktail. <laughs> All right. Question number four. While the Irish coffee was, of course, invented in Ireland, it became closely affiliated with what San Francisco bar around the mid-20th century? BV. Buena Vista. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. I've had many Irish coffees from <laughs> I Buena thought you Vista. might have. I had my first one this spring. It was fab. You can take them to go there, which Ooh. is, um, they have one of the oldest licenses in California, and so they'll give you the coffee, the sugar to whip, and a mini of uh, Tullamore Dew, and as long as you open it outside, uh, you're good to go. Damn. I love that. Wow. All right, last question. It makes perfect sense to enjoy an egg in your morning cocktail. One of the most famous eggy cocktails is the Ramos Gin Fizz that was famously invented in New Orleans in 1888. What Louisiana governor loved it so much that he brought a bartender to New York to teach the Roosevelt Hotel staff how to make it properly? These are the hardest. You can phone a friend. Phone a friend. Anyone? It's Huey Long. Wow. Ding, 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 ding. Huey Long. So it was, there was one political question by accident. Sorry. I don't know if that, that counts as a political, political question. He was it a politician and he liked his Ramos gin fizzes. fizzes, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations. You won trivia. Woo, well we did it. You did it. Um, all right. Well, I think that is our show. I want to thank once again Industry City for having us here to record a special episode of HR and Happy Hour. Um, thanks to City Farm for engineering our show for us. Woo. Thanks to Camp David for hosting us in this lovely, Ooh. lovely space. Um, thank you to Nate and to Claire for being our guests and being on the hot seat for trivia. Yeah. Uh, Got a shout out, Sunday Beer, Shaxbury Cider, and Colson for the treats for those yes. of us who are lucky enough to be here in person tonight. And awesome. uh, thank you. Thanks, Kat. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, guys. That's our thank show. You Happy guys. Thursday. Thanks. All right, see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter 
at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.